From the Hagley Center for the History of Business, Technology, and Society, this is Stories from the Stacks. My name is John Free. I'm a PhD candidate at Duke University, and this year I am the Miller Center and Hagley Library Dissertation Fellow in Business and Politics. My dissertation is titled Redistributing Risk, the Political Ecology of Coal in Late 20th Century Appalachia, and it examines how coal survived the 1970s and the transition to the post-industrial era and One of the ways it did that was by shifting the risk of coal mining off of miners' bodies and onto the environment. Uh, In 1969, Congress passed the first comprehensive federal safety, mine safety legislation, and the number of deaths in underground mines plummeted almost immediately. But coal companies reacted to those new regulations by increasing their investment in surface mining. One of the things that happens right as the federal mine safety legislation, as it's getting implemented, there is a a massive rank-and-file revolution in the United Mine Workers. 1972 is widely referred to by historians as the first democratic election in UMWA history. The miners elect a slate of candidates. Unlike other union leaders, they had all, up until very recently, been coal miners themselves. So it's very much investing the union in the concerns of the rank-and-file workers. And one of those concerns is safety. And as during the early 1970s, it all throughout the 70s, uh, there's this wave of unauthorized wildcat strikes. The majority of them are over safety concerns. So in 1974, when this new union leadership is going to enter its first round of negotiations with coal operators, the union leadership, what they're hearing from the rank-and-file, their number one concern is securing the right to strike over safety concerns. Coal operators are trying to capitalize on the energy crisis, and so they are most interested in steady productivity. My favorite document that I found, it's in the Westmoreland Coal Company's archives. It's a negotiating memo from the Bituminous Coal Operators Association, and that breaks down the union's proposals for the 1974 negotiations. Basically what it says is these new union leaders are crazy. They have no idea what they're doing because none of them had worked in administrative roles in the union before. So they didn't know how to make contract proposals. And not only that, the number one thing that they wanted was worker control of the workplace. The Bituminous Coal Operators Association took the position that that was absolutely the one thing that coal operators could not cede to the union was control over the workplace. Maybe my favorite line is, so it's from 1974 and it's referring back to the 1969 safety legislation. The operators start to use that 1969 safety legislation as as justification for why they can't cede control of the workplace to their workers. After the 1969 safety legislation, they were culpable for any accident if they, they were negligent on safety. The line is, having this ultimate responsibility, operators must have ultimate control. But just that line so distilled the fundamental disagreement between what the union and the coal operators were trying to do. You couldn't pick a better place to have a dissertation write-up fellowship. Staying in the blacksmith shop and having access to the facilities here and the archives here and being on this just beautiful, on these beautiful grounds, it was the perfect place. To learn more about the Hagley Museum and Library and to listen to more stories from the stacks, please visit us online at hagley.org.
That's H-A-G-L-E-Y dot O-R-G.